You're listening to the Charity Champions Podcast. Each year, TFNB Your Bank for Life chooses six nonprofits from around Central Texas to recognize as Charity Champions. Tonight's Charity Champion is... Champions enjoy live on-field presentations at Baylor University home football and basketball games, online broadcast and print marketing exposure, and world-class leadership development through 360 Solutions, all at no cost to the nonprofit. In this podcast, we want to get to know our Charity Champions a little better. We're bringing those who help and those who have been helped into the studio to hear the stories behind the champions. On this episode, the McLennan County Pack of Hope. Pack of Hope provides backpacks of nutritious food to food insecure kids over the weekend, and they're inspiring more people all the time. A little boy was having an 11th birthday party and asked his friends not to bring a present, but he wanted food for the Pack of Hope. And now, let's get to know our champion. All right, we're here with our next charity champion winner, the McLennan County Pack of Hope. Can you guys start by introducing yourself? I'll start with you, Cliff. Yes, my name is uh, Clifford Reese, and I'm a co-founder of Pack of Hope. And I'm Jane Bounds, and I'm the other co-founder of the Pack of Hope. All right, so if I don't know anything about what the Pack of Hope is, can you kind of explain it to me? I'll start with Jane. Well, the Pack of Hope is, uh, first of all, a 501c3 that was created eight years ago to help children who go without food on weekends. These are children on free and reduced lunch uh, who get their last meal on Friday lunch and go till Monday morning, 66 hours with no food. Jeez. And knowing that, we also uh, have reached out to McLennan County. So we service 18 school districts within the county. So I really like it when I get to go out and see what the setup looks like before I get you guys on the podcast so I can have an idea. And I walked in this morning bright and early. I think I got there right at 7. And there were, I don't know, 60, 80 people in there all packing up these bags as fast as they could. Kind of explain uh, how that process works there, Cliff. Well, let's let's back up a little bit. So okay. every Tuesday afternoon, we have a group of students and volunteers that come, and they actually set up the lines that you saw this morning. Okay. And on a typical week, we have some weeks where we actually do dual bags before Thanksgiving and Christmas break and spring break. We Makes actually sense. run four or five lines. But on a typical week like you saw, we will run two two-sided areas for setup one area that covers one side of the warehouse the other the other and on both sides of those tables we basically run an assembly line so tuesday afternoon a group comes and actually packs up all those big gray bins that you saw lays out all the product except for the fresh apples and oranges so wednesday morning like you saw today when the entire group comes it packs those they walk in all the products set up and literally they split up and go down four sides and start an assembly line with a bag at one end and at the other end bagging up tying them and putting them into boxes or bins that will then go out to each of the school districts so in those bags there's about 17 different items there's typically a couple of protein items there's some juice some water we always put a couple fresh items in there so fresh apples and fresh oranges cereals fruit cups other some snack items like some granola bars and some puddings and things like that but the contents of those bags are to ensure that the children receive some kind of a nutritional bag over the weekend so it's at 66 hours between lunch on friday at school and breakfast on monday that we're covering so we're trying to give the children an opportunity to have something nutritious to carry them over the weekend so what you saw was those bags that are then going to get picked up by the participating school districts 
they'll take them back to their district and then they have a liaison or liaisons who will determine the children most in need. And the key is we make sure that the same children get that bag every week. Mm -hmm. So unless they're absent from school on Friday, that same child will receive that bag every week for the duration of the school year unless they happen to move or go elsewhere. Mm -hmm. How did this get started, Jane? Well, you know, it's a, a really weird story. It's a dream that Cliff and I had that we came upon a napkin in Starbucks. I know that's <laughs> kind of hard to believe. But we had been meeting on a an event that we wanted to cater and got through and we're just sitting there doodling talking about kids and which is everything that cliff works with and that i have worked with for years and we came up with the idea about what do we do about these children that aren't there or that aren't getting the food or that miss school because they're hungry and from that eight years later we're sitting here with you so let's back up a little bit because when we were talking i would really enjoyed the fact that you said everything i've done my entire career is for kids so what is your your background where did it start why do you love children so much the children are just adorable um, <laughs> most of them <laughs> and uh, you know I've, I've worked with children so much in schools PTA'd for over 30 years that ended at the same time the pack of hope kind of kicked in my grandchildren don't live here uh, now they live out of state so I have to get uh, rent a child <laughs> and so I'll take any of these cute little kids that I can to help <laughs> and I enjoy that what was the initial need or what was the impetus that made, made you say like this is the program that I want to start? Cliff, <laughs> that was an easy answer. <laughs> you know, uh, it just uh, to reach out to the people who came on board to begin with us was amazing. We have an eclectic group of board members from all walks of life that are on our board. Well, we have nutritionists, uh, we have a retired superintendent, we have a CPA, and it's, uh, they're all there for one reason. And the reason is that we all have the passion that it takes to help fight hunger and take care of these children. Mm. You know, I think from, from the standpoint of probably what drives Jane and I and why we looked at this in the first place is because, as she has said, she's been involved with children's education for 30 years. Mm -hmm. And if you're in an area where you have a tremendous amount of poverty, issues with children, uh, not having opportunities uh, for their future, one of the key elements of that is health. Mm. And if you aren't healthy enough to be able to pursue a future, then you're not going to have that opportunity. So when we talk, a lot of it is about allowing children of all, uh, from all ages, from all groups, from all demographics, from all areas, an equal opportunity to have a future. Mm. And when you look at children that are at the poverty line or below, they're automatically set up in a situation that's difficult. And if you can allow them the opportunity to somehow get out of that, where they then have possibilities for a future, then you've given them an equal opportunity to everyone else. And these children, a lot of them, you know, may have single parents. They may come from families that uh, are broken. They may come from a situation where they don't see a mother or father because of multiple reasons. And some of them may be working three jobs. Some of them are homeless and whatnot. And those children, if they don't have an opportunity for nutritious food, then everything else kind of runs downhill. Mm -hmm. Potential for health problems, potential for not being able to focus at school because you're concerned about hunger. 
attendance problems because of multiple reasons. So when you look at all that together, the basis of it is having nutrition. And if we can allow them an opportunity to have nutrition, then we give them that other opportunity for the future. And I think that's where the discussion came up is what happens to those children Mm. from Friday afternoon to Monday when they're not in school where they can get nutritious food, they can have shelter, they can have warmth, things like that. And that's what kind of made us start to you know, noodle some thoughts down and dig into stuff and do a little research and see, you know, what is the opportunity? And that kind of opened the door for the community discussion we had with other people involved in food insecurity and whatnot in in, uh, McLennan County. You know, it's really amazing to see how the community is coming around and learning more about us. But we have had some very interesting donations the last couple of years, and it's from children. Hmm. A little boy who lives in the Hallsburg area was having an 11th birthday party and asked his friends not to bring a present, but he wanted food for the Pack of Hope. And this has happened on several occasions, right, Cliff? And we've had children that have come down with their parents, too, where you were this morning with food that they've collected from their peers, all because of the recognition of what it's going to do for other children. And that's a Incredible when you talk about, and these two children we're talking about right here were, were elementary age children. Mm. The food that these children get, the, the children are not earmarked by anyone except it's anonymity. So we don't know the children. Mm-hmm. We just we're, we involve ourselves with numbers. It's the schools who do. So you know that some of the children that go to school with these children are aware, and so on their own, they select to have a fundraiser for food for the children on their campus that they don't know but they want to help and that is a very moving rewarding experience to know that we're on the right track Mm -hmm. the sad part is that the numbers keep increasing we can't keep up with it on uh, children that that need us and so we're asking the community at all times for donations whether it be a food drive a monetary donation or volunteerism to give us time to give us help Uh, maybe a grant writer uh, that we could use to help but everyone donates their time we are a 100 percent volunteer group and also cliff you were telling me some pretty alarming statistics about the number of homeless kids the number of food insecure kids in in the county so can you kind of relay those to us again yeah so the the numbers and we get those numbers every year from texas education agency because they get data from each school district every year and that's the number we kind of base our budget and whatnot on and right now, just for this current year, there's over 26,000, I believe 800, 26,800 children in the 18 school districts that we're partnering with that are at or below the poverty line, which is just phenomenal. And I think that's a number that people don't necessarily understand or realize that a lot of those children, one, is obviously don't have access to nutritious food over weekends, but a lot of those children are homeless children. They're children that are moving on a constant basis because they're just, their family or whoever they're living with is just striving to be able to put shelter or clothing or food on a regular basis for them. So it's it's an alarming number. And going back to what you were saying, Jane, if, if people want to get involved, we were kind of talking while we were there about, hey, you know, I've got a Sunday school class of people that would love to hear about this, maybe do um, a food drive or make some donations to you. What's the best way for them to go about getting in touch with you? And, and what are the best ways to help you guys most impactful? 
Well, first of all, uh, to get in touch with us is really a very simple thing. Uh, I'm kind of like a half pamphlet. We'll travel, <laughs> and uh, we'll we'll talk to any group. Um, our, my my business cards are my home phone numbers. There, we're not hiding from anyone, and uh, we're easy to reach through the Waco schools. They can reach reach us. Uh, we're happy to talk to any size group. It can be from four to four thousand. It doesn't matter because each person is important. A five dollar donation is just as important as a larger donation because it means that people are buying in and understanding the purpose of what the Pack of Hope is. So the the needs are great. The need is food and money to buy the food if we have to, or food drives. We have to have the child size items, not the family size. Mm -hmm. The important thing also for people to know is that this food goes into the hands of the children. It doesn't go into the family group. It goes to this individual child, and that's important to know. I think it's kind of sad to me that it could be a situation where if you gave food to somebody else in the family, it may not make it to that child. Is that something you guys have seen? Is that the reason for that? No, we haven't actually seen it, but, you know, I'm sure there's siblings and families that maybe the counselor has selected one of the children in the family and maybe not the other. You know, things may not be exactly perfect for them, but I have a feeling that those children kind of hoard it and Mm -hmm. share with their other little brother or sister. We haven't seen it. We don't know it because we don't know the children. And I I think you find out in talking to some of the liaisons and some of the individuals that actually identify the children most in need, they will share with you that they make concerted efforts with certain children to ensure that child gets the food. Mm -hmm. I've heard a couple of them mention, you know, I'll actually have the child eat some of that food before they leave Friday afternoon, and we ask them to kind of hide it in their bag so others don't know it's there and whatnot. So they look after some of those children that they may know have a bigger challenge with that. I was talking to somebody about this, talking to you guys for the podcast and talking about situations, and they were former foster parents, and they said they ended up getting a mini fridge for their foster child because she kept hoarding food like in her room she wanted to keep it in her food in in her room because she felt it was safe with her so I, I could see where that mentality comes into play if you're in a very food insecure situation right absolutely we had uh, you were talking about the different groups that will support us and I was telling you the story uh, there was a summer group of children who in a red wagon raised over three thousand dollars just in nickels Mm-hmm. for the pack of hope you know that's children helping children mm-hmm. they got it they understood it they understood what it was about because they were discussing it before they started raising the money so they just didn't go and say mom dad i need a nickel <laughs> and so you know we were really pleased to know that this group of children actually understood why and what they were doing it for so that's what we go around to do also is to share the stories. You know, if someone wants to donate a food drive or a monetary donation, they can select an, an ISD or a certain campus where it will go to increase the number of bags that children are being <coughs> fed on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't have to just go in the general pot. Just a couple of weeks ago, Cedar Ridge Elementary, one of Waco school districts, had a, a couple-week food drive, and we went over there and picked up, I don't know, what is it, 9, 10, 12 for the big gray buckets full of food. Wow. I don't know, was it 3,500 pounds, I think, and a $3,000 donation? Nice. Just earmarked for that particular school because they had such a community involvement, and one of their teachers got heavily involved in Pack of Hope. So those are opportunities like Jane spoke about. And like she spoke before, the faith communities are also a huge part of Pack of Hope. One is because they understand the need 
for providing opportunities for children, also a lot of constituents may be part of their faith community. And then thirdly, and I think important to us, is there's that credibility issue too. You know, if my pastor speaks to my church, that really sets a degree of credibility because, you know, they love each other, they're honest, they're always looking out for the well-being of their congregation. So we have lots of congregations that continually support Pack of Hope and understand the impact it has on children. And so we were talking about what's in the bag, and you were talking about like you're focusing on having some protein in there, some snacks, some fresh fruit, stuff they may not get access to. Do you think a lot of these kids are not seeing this sort of food in their daily life? Well, I think they see it at school, but I don't think they see it at home. Because if if you read some of the studies about how people spend their money that are in food deserts and insecure and whatnot, a lot of it is simply buying things that are the cheapest. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily the most nutritious items. So that's the other thing is we're always trying to provide something that's going to provide some degree of nutrition. But I think they see it at school, but they don't necessarily see it at the home because it's it's very expensive in a lot of cases to buy fresh fruits and whatnot so we try and also give them some things that they're also familiar with we give them some snacks too so that there's you know it's not all something that they just feel is there to hold them but it's also something they're actually going to enjoy so it's kind of a, a mixed bag of things to attract them to be able to consume it as opposed to you know throwing it away or leaving it or whatever and so when we were filling those bags this morning, how many did you guys get up to? It was a lot. I think the total bags this morning is around 1,150, give or take. Oh, wow. <laughs> now, we started the school year with, uh, what, Cliff, 948? Yeah, something like that, yeah. So since school has started, that much in donations and food drives has come in to allow us to increase our numbers. And to me, 1,000 was a magical number because, <laughs> you know, now we're in another plateau. So mm-hmm. we can we have short desires and numbers to try to reach. And so we'll, take, we'll have our opening budget. Budget and then numbers raised based upon what Jane's talking about, but also as we receive monetary donations, we evaluate our budget and also look at that. The other part, and you may not be aware, is that this operates during the school year, but we also have a small program that operates during the summer months to kind of bridge that gap. It's a more challenging time mm-hmm. because you don't have many children in school, or if they are in school, they're only there for maybe four or five weeks of summer school. So we operate a summer program with some of the local community centers, a faith community, and then a couple mobile summer feeding buses to try and still get some of these bags out to children in need. I know when my kids did the YMCA summer camp, they were getting like free and reduced lunches there. So that would be another area to get people, right? Absolutely. Yes, sir. So talking about those bags, how much do you think a single bag costs to make? It's about $5 a bag, okay. about $5 a bag per week uh, when we add everything together. And that includes some donations in and out. But if we simply go out and purchase everything, they're about $5 a bag. So if you wanted to put a, a number on it, like I'm helping this many children, you could think of it in $5 increments per week. So if you wanted to sponsor you know, someone for the month or for the year, right? Well, the $195 takes care of a child for an academic school year or 165 pounds of food. So if you gave a donation and gave it to Mountain View, then that would be one more child that would be fed at Mountain View. And and that's how we do it, exactly what you said. So if you got a $1,000 donation, we're gonna say, okay, look, you've sponsored a child for an entire year of five children. You know, so it's roughly, roughly, like she said, roughly $200 for school year, $1,000 divided by 200, five kids. So you have taken care of 
this child for an entire school year every weekend, five of those children. I think people can understand and grasp that a little bit better. You know, when you hear like the the NPR drives, they're like, you know, stop drinking coffee one time per week and you'll be good. You can help somebody. (laughs) And then on the food drive side, we use 165 pounds. So basically the same thing for every 165 pounds of product that you donate to us, you've sponsored a child for an entire school year. And then the thing that Jane always mentions when she talks to people about food drives, keep in mind it's based on weight. Mm-hmm. So if you donate, you know, the wa- bottled water that we put in every week, that's going to gain you a lot more weight than <laughs> would be if you gave granola bars. You know, so there's something there to try and help people understand how they can impact more children's lives. And we have a, several school districts who have figured that out. <laughs> and so much water that we're going to be ending up owing them if they keep going like that. They're doing great, moving great numbers for their for their children. So talking about the specific types of items, if someone's wanting to raise, get food, and, and they're looking for specific items that are most impactful, what would you consider those? So, I mean, obviously water's one of them, but if you look at, like, your protein items, the little macaroni and cheese or the little soup cups that have the pop lids on them or the little beefaroni, those type of things are good for your protein items, or they can donate fruit cups, which are often a very common thing that people will donate. Uh, cereal, boxes of cereal, whatnot, those are some of the items that generally a lot of people will donate. So I know you don't know directly from the kids because you guys are kind of working on the back end of things. But what do you hear from the schools that you're helping? Do you hear stories from the people that are actually handing out the food to kids? Yes, we are here in, in small increments that uh, these children, most of them, are better attendance, which leads to more learning. You know, it's, it's just a sort of cycle. Mm-hmm. And uh, for every child that we can keep in school, there's that much more that that child has a chance to uh, have hope for the future. The other thing we do here, and this happens occasionally throughout the year, is we will hear from parents or guardians or adults asking us, how can I get Pack a Hope for this child or my child or whatever? So their understanding, either through another child or through their school or whatever, the, the impact it's having on other children, so they want to see what they can you know, do for either someone they know or their own. The other thing we hear from teachers whatnot is what they see in the children when they give them the bags. You'll hear testimonials about how the children are excited that they're going to pick up their bag or their face glows when they're getting it. Those are the type of things that also you realize you're having an impact on that child when they're specifically wanting or knowing the need for themselves for that food and how important it is to them. And talking about the need, you say it's always growing, and I'm so excited you guys passed that thousand mark. But you were saying you, to really meet the full need of the of the county, you have a long way to go, right? A huge and a huge, huge gap right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and that's that's what drives us every day. I think the other thing I mentioned to you is how important community awareness is because to me that's the one key that makes the difference in people's minds is awareness once they become aware and they understand what the organization does what the impact is on our future then they become engaged and you see that all the way from classes we go to at Baylor where we talk to some students that have never heard of Paco before 
And out of that group, you'll get three or four of them that'll show up for volunteering starting the next week, or else they'll be reaching back out and asking, how can I get involved? Or someone that you'll run into at a meeting and you're just having discussion. And Jane's tremendous at being able to open those communication doors with people. So once they hear about it, then they're emailing us, they're sending us, you know, something on our Facebook or whatever else, asking questions about how can I get involved? What kind of help do you need? You know, what's it take to do a food drive? Any different things, those open a lot of doors. And as far as volunteering, I know a lot of people are busy these days. Everyone's like, oh, I'm too busy to do anything. But one thing I definitely saw while I was there, you know, I got there right at 7, at like 7.30, 7.45, it was clearing out. So if somebody just says, you know, I don't have a lot of time, but they have one day a week they could wake up, a little bit early, come in and help you guys out. It's not a big ask for time, is it? It goes very quickly. I'm telling you, a thousand bags can be filled in 40 minutes. And that is with four lines or even three lines oftentimes. We could get you back to work on time, Randy. And, so. you, and you mentioned about uh, the volunteering. Actually, the reason we're doing the Tuesday repacking now is specifically for that reason because we've had people that said why you know because of work or this or whatnot i can't come and pack on wednesday morning at seven is there another time i can do something so that's where we move that to the repacking so so those that maybe can get there at 5 30 on a tuesday afternoon can come and still have an opportunity to volunteer and help the organization out but this is where again word of mouth work in honesty our first week no one showed up and then the next week we had five or six and now we're up to was i believe 40 last night that showed up again it's all community awareness that's so important to get the word out and to share it with each other and people make fun of me about my flip top phone but i know that the uh, <laughs> awareness on the social media and helps a lot too and uh, we have our wish list for the food drives the size of food the kinds of food it's all posted on our facebook Mm -hmm. so i challenge anybody listening to this right now you probably got time on a tuesday evening or wednesday morning to help out it's really not that much time and you probably have enough time to hey talk to someone at your your church say hey let's let's sponsor a food drive let's do something to help out these kids right absolutely What's the best way they can get in touch with you? Either they can email us, packahope at gmail.com, or they can go on our website at uh, packahope.org. And we also have Facebook and Instagram. (laughs) We're in with the big people, man. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you guys so much for coming out. We're going to have you guys on the field for the upcoming Baylor game. We're so excited that you're our charity champion this year, and we're so excited to spread the word of Pack of Hope. We can't thank you enough. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Randy. Thanks for listening to the Charity Champions podcast. If you're listening on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, please take a moment and rate and review us. This helps our podcast reach more listeners. Have a charity you'd like to nominate for next season? Visit charitychampions.org nominate. You can also find more information on this podcast and all Charity Champions at charitychampions.org. And of course, tell all your friends. We'll see you next time.